You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is the Always Moto Podcast, episode 76. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan. We'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, he's still waiting to get paid. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic, throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on this show, we'll be going through all things moto, but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. I probably should change that. It should make it injuries are a part of supercross after this past weekend. It just proves that supercross or supercross style events is where our injuries predominantly occur. This week on the show, we'll be talking through that super motocross playoff final round there at LA Memorial Coliseum. Um, We're also going to start to look ahead to the Australian Supercross opener, which will be happening next weekend. Um, MX MX of Nations is also next weekend. And like I just hinted at, the return to the emergency department for a few of these guys, unfortunately, is in the show later on. But bringing us to the show today, competitive edge performance. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years of experience and plenty more personal racing laps, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners, listen up. You can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. All right, and also Slantboard Guy, they're bringing us you that slant board to help you get your squats on point in the gym, and you can save 10% discount by using the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout. Endurance recovery boots, if you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered for each session, and same again, you can use that code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save. And Tech 167 3D Printing, if you need something cool for your bike, maybe just a funnel that fits and means no mess, then check out these products and you and let them know when you're contacting them about your purchase that you're listening to Always Moto Podcast. As always, we have our show. We need your sh- our sh- as always we need the show support. We'll get that started again. We still need show support direct, and we have our merch available. We have our t-shirts available for twenty five dollars plus post and handling. You just need to email info at alwaysmoto.com, put t-shirt order in the subject line, and we'll get that thing set up. Uh, payments are via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, we have the donations to the Always Moto PayPal account options as well. If you just want to be able to support the show and help keep the lights on here to bring you more and more moto 
content with a different view, send in a donation via the PayPal account. Now, all of these links to get to these supporters and to our PayPal accounts are available in the show notes or if you check out our social media bio, you'll find them there as well. All right, enough of the intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Devin Harriman. I'm number 97, and I've been racing Supercross in the States, and I will be racing some outdoors. All right, we're rolling into the show. It's Super Motocross has finished in L.A., uh, the season is done for the AMA series, finally, 30-run races deep. Benny, we got you on the line, mate. How are you, and how are you Are you tired from 31 races in 2023? Yes, I'm all right. Uh, I don't know how the riders feel. It, uh, yeah, that's a long, uh, long draining season for them, I think, but uh, very enjoyable for us. Yeah, I don't think we should be tired. Like we're just watching on TV, but you know, it's, everyone seems to say that the the series drags on. It was it's going to be too long, and I don't know. I was I was fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I think it, though, like you know, towards the end of Supercross, you're like, oh, you know, we want motocross, and then the end of motocross, we want Supercross. But now we have SMX, so uh, you know, it breaks up that gap a little bit. And um, yeah, I think it was quite good the race on the weekend. Yeah, the, the LA round was reasonably good. I'm still not a massive fan of these tracks that they've put together for Super Motocross, and I'll, we'll dive into that here in a second. But, um, yeah, look, the racing worked out okay until that 250, second 250 moto, when they seemed to have reworked the track a lot, which was something different that they hadn't done from the first two rounds as much. Obviously, at Charlotte, they um, prepared the the supercross rhythms a little bit in terms of track work, but they'd left the rest of it. And at Chicago, I think they pretty much left the whole damn thing. Um, But the LA track being a predominantly supercross based track, they really reworked that track between the motos. And from uh, Joe Shimoda's point of view, I don't think he was quite happy with that. Yeah, no, he mentioned that, um, you know, them giving the track a bit of work um, made it a lot faster and, um probably a little bit easier i guess so um probably took away some of the technical stuff and um yeah you could tell that the first moto was incredible but the second moto was yeah there wasn't much going on no and look these tracks for me like they they worked right like they they were a racetrack they they got some decent motos out of it i think purely more because of the riders at the front were sort of pushing for the money aspects of it but there was a lot of talk about them not being, you know, passable, that they were too narrow. From my point of view, they were just too high a speed. And the example being from this past round at LA, coming down the peristyle, and I still don't know what a peristyle is. I've been meaning to look it up exactly, but obviously it's the up from the, from the stadium floor, etc. coming down the, the seating there. But um, that entrance that they had basically launching into that sand section um, I feel they could have slowed that down a lot by putting like a bit of a flat run into the what do we got going on here anyway a bit of a flat run into a, you know like a 90 degree corner or something then into the sand section to slow that section down a bit but it just yeah for me they were just the tracks were just generally too fast you're coming into sections too fast too much speed um, and obviously these combined supercross motocross style layouts the suspension settings and and all those sorts of things on the bikes not prepared for that exact you know application 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've only got to look at the sand section and how far they were launching into it. Um, just shows how much speed they have. And uh, you've only got to look at, you know, Dean Wilson had a went flying through the air there and uh, Chase came off in the same spot and a few others, I think. So yeah, you've only got to look at how fast they're going. One wrong, you know, one quick mistake and that's it. That's the end of it. Yeah, if that wasn't sand where they landed to those guys, I think they would have been in a lot worse shape. And I think that sort of saved them as much as it, you can't say crashing is saving them. But like from the impact of hitting a, a hard base dirt floor versus a sandy, you know, a couple of inches of sand, I think they sort of got away with those lightly. Yeah, they were winded and you could tell that like Chase took a few minutes to get going there and off the off the track. But um. Yeah, I think they sort of survived from the sand aspect. But, yeah, they just came into that section way too fast. It was just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I love having the notes live when we're doing this recording and you can, you're can Googling in the background. I don't even know what you've just pasted in there. Obviously, it's the definition of a peristyle, but I still can't understand it. It's in Greek, mate. <laughs> well, it's not Greek on mine. It's in, <laughs> in it's in English. There's Greek words in it. It says the Greek template is a peristastes. I don't even know. I, I'm not even. That's that's my attempt at uh, another language right now. But yeah, anyway. we'll just go, we'll we'll, ju- we'll just go with the continuous porch formed by a row of columns surrounding the perimeter of a building. We'll yeah. just go with that. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Good. Good for you. Now, speaking of that sand section, it wasn't the main part that caused the issue for Hunter Lawrence, but it was the second incident that then led to Hunter not being able to race. So, a bit gutted for Hunter. He, he sort of had basically the you know, a great season going and it just one round from the end, the injury aspect struck for him and he just wasn't able to, to race that, that final round. He's missed out on probably a couple hundred thousand dollars because of it and a title. Um, and he's also now put his preparation for motocross of nations here in two weeks time in a little bit of jeopardy. Yeah. And the crash he had, um, you know, I think it was, was it practice or the Friday practice yeah, or whatever? Practice. Uh, was was really nasty, um, you know, for us to watch anyway. And then I think, um, yeah, just the load coming in, uh, landing in that sand section just didn't help the uh, the injury itself. And, yeah, the, I think the smarter play was to sit out. But like you said, it's uh, gutted for him. And, um, yeah, hopefully he's all right for the – uh, nations next weekend. Yeah, I'll have a little bit more chat on on Hunter in the um, in the emergency department coming up here later in the show and talk about that second incident a bit more. But yeah, just just a note there, guarded for Hunter. It wasn't it wasn't what you wanted the night to be, and because of that too, that one incident that Hunter couldn't race and potentially win that title uh, meant that Honda didn't go, you know, perfect for all the titles available in 2023 for the AMA. No, that's right. Um, it's you know pretty pretty disappointing for them, I think, to miss out on that. And I mean, you add Hunter in to that first moto, um, along with what we already got uh, to watch, and yeah, you know, I just couldn't imagine what it would have been like with him in it. So uh, disappointing in all aspects, I guess. Yeah, very much so. Um, but obviously, on the on the flip side of that, then very good for Hayden Deegan at seventeen and a rookie to. Get a major title. Yes, it's a new major title, but it's a title all the same. 
Yeah, and you know, the the, the first thing he comes out with is that's for all the haters, uh, <laughs> which I think was pretty. That's pretty funny. It's, it's such a millennial YouTube, you know, star thing to do and say is to just look at it from that that perspective, not to enjoy the moment, but to you know, sort of rub it in the face of the of the haters, as they say. So anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. But congratulations to Hayden. He obviously deserved it at that point, and he's ridden. Extremely well all season, except for maybe one incident with Jordan Smith uh, back in Supercross. But, um, you know, it's been a pretty impressive season for a rookie in a 250 class, given he came in, you know, with a lot of hype and a lot of pressure. So, yeah, well done to Hayden Deegan. Um, On to the 450 side of things. Um, I have to say there's a lot of talk I felt from the American media side of things about how Chase was potentially going to be the winner this week because it was a more Supercross-based layout at LA. And Jet really put that to bed in the first moto for me. He did gave everything that, like, Chase was not in the picture at the end of that moto. No, he wasn't anywhere to be seen. Um, Jet just, you know, came out firing and took off. Um you could just tell, you know, the way he got past Kenny um, hitting that quad and, um, you know, all eyes were to the front. That was it. That was the only thing he had in his head. And, um, yeah, once he was there, he was gone. And then, um, yeah, this, the second one, um, you know, as we know, Chase was out front and, you know, he, again, just made that silly little mistake and that was it. And, uh, yeah, that let Jet uh, just get a bit further up and take uh, take the win in that one. Yeah, I think like obviously he he he'd had he had Jet covered in Moto Two for, for mine, and I I feel there's a bit of a two parts to that story because Jet didn't need to win that Moto to win the overall to then win the title, and I feel like in a lot of these scenarios on that final race situation, not just this scenario this time, but you know in years past for lots of different riders. It, that final moto, when you're in that position to win a title and win, you know, in this case, a million dollars, you sort of ride differently in that push to go and chase down the, f- the, the first place guy isn't always there. And so I don't think that's a fair reflection on, on like the outcome of that race that Jet, you know, wasn't catching Chase, wasn't beating Chase. Um, but Chase was obviously using that for trying to build some confidence back up to prove that he is, you know, the man in Supercross. And then Chase did Chase and stuck his head in the sand and didn't finish the moto, you know. So I feel like any confidence that Chase got back at Charlotte has just been ripped away and just vanished in the sand in LA. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, when was the last time that Jet had a title come down to the last round. I mean, I know it's only a three-round series, but the last few titles he's had, he's always got them early. So, uh, you know, you can always look at that pressure. I mean, before the week's, the weekend starts, that could be in his head. But, um, yeah, I think when you get to that last motor, you know you've got it uh, wrapped up. You just, you know, you just cruise on and take the, take the overall. Exactly. So I think for, like, obviously Jet's going to be very comfortable come 2024 season on that 450 for Supercross. But the interesting part for me is going to be Chase Sexton 
on the supposed cha- bike change to KTM, different number. He's going to be number one in motocro- in um in the Supercross. He's supposedly going to be number four in the rest of the season as his new career number. Um, I can see Chase having a lot of difficulties, particularly through that usual start to the season in California and just chasing setup and just not having confidence in everything, particularly if he gets you know, beat handedly by Jet again at the opening round. That would just be, I think that would be just a confidence killer for Chase at that point. I think it will. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of changes. Um, the new bike, you know, it's, there's a lot of time between now and Anaheim 1, um, you know, to get ready and get adjusted to it. But, yeah, if, if Jet comes out and uh, beats him, it's um, it's it's not going to do well for him. Um, you know, the media and all the fans and everything will, you know, be straight on his case as well. So, uh, yeah, he's got to hope that he can, you know, come out firing on that new bike. Now, random question for you. And I'm, I don't know the answer to this for, for you know from an actual standpoint of you know the team confirming this or anything like that. But if you're Chase and your Honda de- your Honda deal is essentially done now from after LA on you know Sunday morning, waking up Sunday morning, he's essentially never riding a Honda again. How soon are you calling KTM and saying I've got to get on this bike? Well, if he follows in the uh, footsteps of Levi Kitchen, who was spotted already on the Pro Circuit bike, what's it been? Just a few days. That would be um, what, uh, Monday their time that he was on that bike. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah Tuesday maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be you know trying to do the same thing and saying, hey, you know, I need to, I need to start. So. Uh, you would hope that everything probably allows him to do that, but the other thing is too, how is how injured is he, and can he ride? Well, that's the thing we don't know, and I don't think you'll hear any information on that at all from anyone. I can speculate around the fact that he's probably got a very sore neck, um, and potentially, you know, a bit of a concussion there uh, from the way he landed. But uh, yeah, if if you take those factors out, I think he was. He was there Monday, you know, at a, at a private track somewhere in Florida. Uh, probably like he usually rides out of the sandbox there. I dare say he was there that, there Monday with KDM just, just getting started again, just to break that, you know, change everything. It's now a fresh start. Uh, but unless the injury aspect delays that, I think you'll be getting on it ASAP as soon as, you know, as soon as the injury aspects allow, which, you know, could be today, tomorrow, Monday next week. It'll be damn soon for my, my, my thinking. Yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say that's right. Yeah. All right, let's change gears, mate. Let's uh let's move away from Super Motocross. It's done. We've got some things to look forward to. Um, the Australian Supercross series is kicking off here, not this weekend, but next. Uh, it's kicking off in Adelaide on the seventh of October. We've got a three-round series coming up here for the Australian Supercross. Probably not as big as anyone in Australia would like it to be in terms of number of rounds, uh, but it's something. It, we, we have missed out on Supercross a fair bit in recent times from you know COVID periods and then promoter issues and stuff when things changed over there. It's back. It's running. It's three race, three rounds. Ideally, obviously, next year is bigger than that, but... 
uh, we've got something. So we've got the Adelaide round on the 7th of October. We've got the Newcastle round on the 11th of November. And that final round is paired up. It'll be on the Friday night of World Supercross there in Melbourne on the 24th of November. And then obviously World Supercross running on the Saturday, the 25th. So three rounds. Um, things have not gone super duper well for a few people already. Uh, unfortunately, Gas Gas rider Reagan Duffy is already out of Supercross. He's broke, managed to break a wrist during his team photo shoot, which is never a good thing. Sort of only 10 or 12 days out from a from a um, championship starting. Um, but we've got obviously a few people coming back. We've got people defending. Justin Brayton's going to be back to defend his title. I believe it's six in a row that he'll be going for, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how Brayton does, given that he is not a full-timer like he had been in the past in the AMA. He's on a um, bit of a part contract this year. So we're interested to see how ready he is and how sharp he is coming into this series. Um, and Matt Moss has switched from from his Yamaha setup over onto the Empire Kawasaki. So that's an interesting one for me. Yeah. So what number um, <laughs> team is that for for Moss this year? I've lost count. Man. Uh, There's too many. <laughs> As everyone, uh, yeah, likes to make fun of him and. Um, you know, he's switching of teams. Uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can be as good as he was on the Yamaha, uh, on the new Kawasaki and, um, you know, take it take it right down to the wire like he did last year. Um, I'm pretty sure that it is six in a row because if we go back to last year, uh, Reeve wasn't happy with me saying that Brayton might just go five and that's it. <laughs> so... You're gonna bring I'm that. Pretty sure up it is. Are you gonna bring that up to your Reeve at like Melbourne or something when we're there and just see if he if he just wants to deck you or something? <laughs> no, it's not probably probably not worth the risk to be honest. <laughs> Especially if he's lost it, <laughs> the title by that point. <laughs> yeah, yes. that could be an interesting one. Hey, back to Mossy for a second and switching bikes. I've just had a one of those epiphany moments where I've remembered something from from years back. Like I'm basically the same age as as the moss brothers because i used to race them in the junior classes in some of the different areas around sydney and and south sydney there in terms of their home bases down there at Nowra and you know oakdale and and happens and all those sorts of places kembla um but they used to change bikes brands often as juniors as well i remember them being on rm80s and then they're on kdm 125s and I feel like there was some, obviously there was KX60s back in the day because that was the only thing worth being on at that point. But I feel like they changed bike brands even back then every other year or if not every year. So I don't feel this is too much of a, you know, a struggle for Mossy given that he's probably done this most of his, you know, most of his life on bikes and he's probably familiar with all of the frames and stuff that's been across them, you know, for 20 odd years now. Yeah, well, I mean, for the normal, um, you know, the normal human, you know, me, you, whoever, um, if we hop on a different bike, you know, it doesn't doesn't really do much. But um, these professionals can, you know, they can tell exactly what's different and what they don't like compared to the other one and what's better. Um, but, yeah, switching through all of them and, uh, you know, he's been on the Yamaha, I think, the most, but I think he was on Kawasaki at, uh, WSX last year. Yeah, with Bart. Uh, 
yeah, so he has had some time on a Kawasaki in the last 12 months at least, I guess. So uh, it probably should be an easy um, adapt for him. Yeah, I would think so. But, yeah, just that, that history of him back in the junior days doing similar stuff, you know, it uh, wouldn't surprise me that he's just pretty used to being on anything and everything. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I'm sure the Empire guys have got him comfortable. They seem to have been doing a fair bit of suspension testing with him in the last week or so, trying to get ready for this opening round. Now, other riders that are going to be coming in that are going to be interesting for this 450 class, obviously the CDR boys are going to be up there and in the running, so long as both of them can stay healthy because that's been their issues of, of recent times with series, and that's Luke Clout and Aaron Tanty. Um, but that's their, are, do you, are you with me on that? That's, that's their main issue is just staying healthy for the series because otherwise I feel like they're going to be right in the hunt for this title. Well, it is. I mean, you've only got to look at, you know, Tanty last year came off at Newcastle and, you know, he was right there. Um, I think they might have even been level heading into, uh, he and Brayton might have been level on points heading into Newcastle. So, um, yeah, that round he lost it there. Um, and that was due to a crash and the um, same with Clout. You know, it's disappointing that he's had an injury plague last few years. Um, but we've seen, you know, 2019, he, I'm pretty sure he had the red plate going into yeah. uh, X Open and, uh, you know, had a horrible night. But that was, you know, sort of his last um, good year. So hopefully, you know, the both of them can stay upright, stay on the bike and, like you said, make the competition interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like, if they can stay healthy, I think they'll be right there with this field. Um, and then a couple of other ones to just sort of remember to throw in the mix here. I think you know, as much as Brett Metcalf is getting pretty pretty old these days, <laughs> you say old, he's, I think he's only just going to be getting to 40 very soon. I'd have to check that date of birth there. But um, Medi could, could throw in, in here at any point. Um, and then obviously Dean Wilson as well is going to be an interesting one. He did the um, a, the round in Melbourne last year, but then I think it was the birth of his child that he didn't do the rest of the series. But he's in for the full season this year, which is obviously only three rounds. But Dino could be a one to take the title from Brayton or any of those other guys we just mentioned, Moss, Clout, Tanty, Metcalf, could be in that running. It's... There's six or more guys, Josh Hill even, um, that could be in this mix here for the title in 2023 and 450 class. And you're right. And I hope that, you know, I hope that it is close. Um, you know, I hope there's four or five guys that, you know, could win it going into uh, going into the Melbourne round. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Now, just a note on some of the... Like, obviously, the 250 guys and that, we've got, you know, a reasonable field coming in there. But we've got a reasonable amount of American-Canadian imports this year um, and <laughs> European, depending on how you how you want to view Dino and, and Max Anstey. Um, so we've obviously got Brayton. We've got Anstey coming back to defend his 250 title. Uh, we've got Dean Wilson. We've got Josh Hill. We've got Cole Thompson coming through. Uh, and Robbie Wageman is going to be joining the Circo Yamaha guys. So... Pretty decent. Oh, sorry. Um, Cole's on circuit. Robbie's going to be with the WBR um, Yamaha team, isn't he? So some pretty, you know, decent competition coming from the overseas to join our, our series, which is awesome to see and just bringing the level up for us over here in Australia. 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they're only going to push, um, you know, push the front runners that little bit more. And like I just said, with the, the 450 class, hopefully there's a heap of guys going for it and it makes it really um, good for us to watch. Yeah, exactly. All right, let, let's uh, – we'll, we'll probably put a bit, talk a bit more on this Australian Supercross um, if we do a show next week in the lead-up to the opening round. Uh, and then obviously we'll talk about it again after that. But, um, yeah, let's leave the Australian Supercross there. We've got one other major event happening uh, next weekend as well. And it's the MX of Nations. Um, it's going to be over there in France in Ernay. It's just a couple of you know notes on things that have happened, obviously, to the American side of things with the Super Motocross round. Obviously, Hunter for these Aussie guys is a bit of a question mark at present. And like I said, we'll talk about him a bit more. But that's thrown a spanner in his preparation. So hopefully that doesn't affect our chances at having a you know potentially one of our best finishes here but we'll have to see our hunter is pulling up in the days leading up to that but also the american team got has been a bit beat up here as well uh plessinger had a decent crash as we as we um know from that sand section as well uh at la and yes he's pretty sore from that but should be okay and RJ Hampshire is still sort of on that little bit of recovery path from that crash at, at Unadilla. I was I mentioned last show that we'd been chatting to him about things and he's still just not feeling a hundred hundred you know, hundred, hundred percent, but he's he's getting closer. So, you know, whether that week off this week before he has to prepare and, you know, fly over and whatnot is all he needs. But yeah, there's just a few question marks around a few guys heading into that that race there, which is obviously very important in terms of national pride. Yeah, and I mean, if Hunter can't race, you know, do they, would that be it? You know, would they quickly try and find someone to fill in? I highly doubt it. Um, so hopefully it's all right, you know, for our sake. But yeah, the Americans to have, well, basically three people sort of recovering and trying to get back on their game from crashes uh, is an ideal after, you know, winning last year. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's that you touched on something that's quite interesting there in terms of like if Hana can't do it, who do that? What do they do? Could you imagine being Dean Ferris at this point and and you know probably spending a fair bit of his own money to get his bike like you know he's riding for that Brisbane motorcycles there, Yamaha dealer you know this national season he would have had to pretty much spend his own own coin to get the bike over, um, and then for Hunter to get injured and potentially pull out and maybe not have anyone fill in, <laughs> all that being pointless. Like, it could be a bit of a shitty scenario if that's where that ends up, if you're Dean Ferris. Yeah, it's not um, It's not a, not ideal. And I hadn't even thought of that um, when I said it. So, yeah, now that you bring it up, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> he'll have his fingers crossed that Hunter's all right. Yeah, I'm, assume, like, I'm assuming he will be, and there'll be a lot of therapy being done to get him there. But, yeah, you could you could just see that him not being able to and or he gets to practice you know and like you know on the the day before has an has a recurrence much like what he had you know that second issue there in the sand on the weekend and that's the end of it like man that's a it's a bit of a letdown if you if you jet and and dean at that point isn't it so yeah interesting to see how that all plays out obviously we'll be watching that and talking about it once it's done as well so yeah big couple of weeks in um as much as the AMA season is over, there's still plenty of racing going on for the rest of the next few months. Or I think I heard it was 11 weeks until A1. So there's still 
plenty of things to keep an eye on in the next few weeks and months. All right, let's um, we're gonna we've <laughs> we're gonna go into those couple of questions from our mate Blair that we had last week. Now we've come up with a bit of a makeshift name for this, and we're not we're not set on this, so we'll see how this works out. But we're gonna go with um, Blair's ball breaking babble. I'm not sure how that's going to sit, but we'll see how it sits for now. <laughs> but um, so, so Benny, you weren't a part of this last week because you obviously you, you're having a siesta. I think I mentioned it was. But um, I'll play this clip here, then we'll have a bit of a chat about Blair's question and see what uh, see what we come out out of it. All right. Hi, always, Marto. Blair Walsh here. Um, can oh Adam Cincerillo? Can I see live up to his potential? After hearing some podcasts with him, um, he sounds really content with his life. Um, and I'm just not sure, like I'd love to see the AC that we've all wanted to see. But, um, you know, he's had a pretty steady year. His results with, you know, who was out and, um, you know, the privateers that battled with him. Um Will this be his last year on Kawasaki if he has a year like he had this year? And, um, you know, having a lot of good 250 riders coming up and ready to step into a 450 role is a make or break. Not a bad question from Blair there. But, Benny, you when we were prepping for this one, you pointed something out straight away about that uh, next year with Kawasaki. Yeah, well, he's got a two-year deal, uh, so he'll be he'll be on there next year, um, and then twenty-five as well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that sort of answers that aspect of that one. But in terms of the race results, he has been, you know, probably back of where he wants to be. But there's also been a lot of talk that AC just needed to get through a season and get some conditioning back in. But there's also been a lot of talk still this year about the issues he's having with the arm and the numbness that's going on uh, for him and sort of just that ongoing issue that he can't hold on, um, which seems to be most of his troubles at the moment this year, from what I understand. That's what you know too, Benny? Yeah, well, you know I'm a massive AC fan, so I follow <laughs> follow everything just closely. A, just and a tiny and one, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, you know, I've listened to, like Blair said, the podcast that he's been on and everything like that. Um, he's had the stem cell treatment on the, you know, the nerve issue. And he reckons probably the last three races, um, I think towards the end of outdoors. And then obviously the second uh, SMX race wasn't great, but LA was pretty good. Um, he reckons that he's probably felt the best in those races um and so you know with maybe another lot of stem cell uh treatment that he <clears throat> i think he's supposed to have it this week which is what he said way back when he had the first lot um i think he mentioned that on his podcast mm. um you know you get another lot of that in if it is doing anything we don't know um but then you know actually get hopefully a full you know pre-season boot camp under his belt because he hasn't been able to do that um, because of the injuries and whatnot. So uh, a full year of racing, like you said, getting that conditioning in, um, 
and then you know hopefully a full pre-season training you know next year who knows what we'll get but yeah like Blair said you know we all want to see the AC that you know was going for the Supercross title and won the motocross title um, but yeah it's just he's just had a shitty deal and there's not much he can do yeah you're spot on with all that stuff there. I just sort of, I've got a couple of things that I'm going to pop into on this and some of it comes back to when I saw AC at Redbud and I actually got like, oh, I would call it 20 seconds with him um, while he was getting ready for, I think it was one of the qualifying sessions in the morning. But he had his shirt off um, and he was, you know, he had the, the armband on and the chest strap on and I sort of was like, oh, I've always wanted to ask him this. Why does he wear the two? Because I thought they were both um, heart rate straps. And he said, no, no, the, the arm straps, my, my whoop, which is like a just a general health monitoring sort of device. And, in, and I didn't get the chance to say it to him because he had to you know, finish getting ready. But I kind of was like, well, piss that thing off. It's restricting flow in your arms. You don't need any more issues you know, to, to complicate the situations. But that's one thing for me that I don't think is necessary. It's the other arm side that he's wearing it on, but still I wouldn't have anything restricting on my arms to pr- potentially encourage arm pump, you know, arm-related issues. The other side of it is too that I, the more I talk to these guys about their injuries from the American side of things, the more I wonder about the American medical system and how badly it's done um i've been in touch with and for those listeners that have been around for a while on the show um they'll remember an interview i've done with ezra hastings uh and his you know botched knee surgeries that he's had done and they don't seem to want to with their medical system they don't seem to want to actually be able to solve and fix everything if they don't see it clearly on you know, MRIs and stuff before they go in and fix something. They'll only fix what they've been, they've billing coded or whatever it is they use over there for their medical system. They'll only fix that because that's what the insurer approved as the billing code that they've requested. And so that's where Ezra's been in some trouble recently where he's only had one thing fixed and then they found out later on that, oh, there was actually three other things that they should have fixed while they're there, but because they didn't put it on the billing list, they didn't fix it then and there. And so then their treatments are a little bit different in terms of what they do compared to we do over here as well. And again, I haven't been able to talk to AC about all that specifically, but I feel like there's things that he could do that he's potentially not doing to help recover that because they just don't seem to do that stuff in the States versus other parts of the world. Um, But I'm interested to see if when he finally... And look, that stem cell stuff, let's let's skip over that. I don't know if that's going to work at all. That's a bit of a unknown medical aspect just yet but um the the fact of the nerve takes ages to re- to regenerate and we've talked about this before when we're talking about ac it can be sort of two years for that thing to fully regenerate um so we're sort of what we're we're about that point where we would have the best outcomes from that at the moment with the regeneration from when this originally first started happening for him but yeah the main part of this is can he get through preseason without having another injury? Because that seems to be his problem. He was having a good preseason this year. Was it this year? Last year. And he did the AC joint um, in his shoulder right before the season. And then he ended up tearing his ACL and missed the whole bloody whole bloody year. Um, you know, So he's just got to be able to get through preseason in one piece, fit and healthy. 
and see where he gets to after that. But yeah, I I kind of want to see if he can be that guy that he was and should be from two fifties and four fifties. Finally, that would be really nice if he got to that point. But he does seem from those other interviews just a little bit content with life, and that's not the the viewpoint of a champion in my eyes. No, that's right. I mean, you've only got to go back to his first 450 race. Um, I mean, he, uh, I know it's only Monster Cup, but he won that. Um, didn't win, you know, didn't win all three and the million, but won Monster Cup. Um, and then nearly won the first 450 race. Um, yeah, I think he was coming second. Barsha made a mistake. He got past Barsha, but then he made a mistake. Um, and if he'd kept it clean, he would have won. So uh, we need him, you know, we need him to get back to that. But then, you know, adding Jet and a few others in, um, it's just making it that bit harder as well. Yeah, exactly. Like there's obviously been other guys come up and Jet's obviously been a big come up in the time that he's been struggling with all these injuries. So, yeah, as much as you would like to see it happen, it's going to be a hard way, hard road to get, back to that point it's not impossible but yeah we just have to see how that all plays out but i think you won't be able to make any calls on where ac's up to in terms of his ability to run that point until probably round six in the in the supercross season if he's made it that far without any more issues along the way so watch this space we'll probably talk about ac plenty more because i'm sure he'll be a topic point just because you're a super fan mate it's very true. <laughs> All right, let's do, we'll just do the one question from Blair this week. Uh, we obviously ran, <laughs> went on a bit of a side rant on all that for a while there. But, um, yeah, no, good question from Blair. Um, we'll have some more of those from him and we'll see if we stick with Blair's ball-breaking babble or not. We'll, um, we'll see what his response to that is because we just came up with, it with, on the, with that title without him. So we'll see how it works out. All right, let's, uh, let's leave it there for now. We'll take a break here on the Always Moto podcast and we'll be back with more. It's Lorenzo Locurcio. You're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Lorenzo Locurcio aquí. Estamos en el Always Moto Podcast. Escúchalo. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Let's jump into this emergency department segment. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. Say it every time you don't want to be on this list, and the list grew exponentially all of a sudden that super motocross final round in LA we had nothing at Chicago at Charlotte or at least very minor things nothing that made the list as such um, all that were carried into the series and you know not the series as a result but LA was different we had heaps of crashes we had a few injuries a few broken bones a few things we may or may not find out about here depending on how they go uh, in terms of the off-season changes, because obviously if they're they're not turning needing to turn up to a race next weekend, they're not needing to tell us what the injury is, are they? So they'll have plenty of time. So unless it's affecting them when they come around to A1 or they're very polite and put up a post about themselves in the meantime, they're probably not returning any of the messages that I've sent them at this point in the, <laughs> in the year, just taking a holiday for most part. But let's run through what we know. Kyle Chisholm knee update. Now... If you're listening with us and following along at home uh, on our Instagram over the last uh, week or so, we were talking about the fact that there was um, 
no injuries. And, and we put out a post about episode 75 being up and about Chisholm's knee issues, um, Kyle Chisholm's knee issues. And we managed the contractor managed to get a response out of out of the cheers on the post, and it's in in regards to that knee issue that he's been having that wasn't allowing him to ride during the week in the lead up to these races. It's on the same knee that he's had two ACL reconstructions. One was way back in I think it was two thousand nine. One is back in two thousand and eighteen. Um, the, the ACLs are reportedly fine, but he has basically no meniscus on one side of the joint. Now, for those that don't know, you actually have a meniscus on the inside, as in a medial meniscus and a lateral meniscus, and they are, you know, two separate parts, generally speaking, that you can have tears within. Usually, it's a medial meniscal tear that you get. Every once in a while, you'll get a lateral one. That's not very common, but it, it still can happen. Uh, but he's missing the meniscus. I'm not sure which side, but he's also got arthritis, bone on bone. Now, thanks to some more information that I then heard across on pulp mx post race podcast with kyle we talked about this in um i think it was even in these messages or one of the one of our uh, followers was messaging me about this and we talked about the options that i was actually in the in the always moto fancy league group chat that's right so if you're not a part of that group chat you should be because i gave more information away in there to our uh, to our mates in there so if you want to be a part of it send me a message we can get you in that uh, but we talked about what he could potentially have done here. Now, if he's got a, another meniscal tear, they can clean that up. If there's nothing left to clean up, they'll just take it out. Uh, that's bad. That will create more arthritis. If it's a cartilage issue, because there's still the cartilage that is the coating on the end of those bones at the joints, he might have got a cartilage tear. Now, I suggested that he could have this drilling procedure done where it tries to encourage uh, regrowth of the uh, of the cartilage. But as per the interview with Pulp, he's apparently had that done previously. So that would scrap that from being able to be done again. But maybe one of those bits of um, regrowth has grown and, and a bit of a fragment's broken off from those drilling points if they didn't actually regrow. So that might be the issue. Maybe he's got a cyst that's formed in the knee. Uh, maybe it's just an arthritic change. And maybe he's at a point where he's wearing away the bone and the only way to solve that would be with a partial knee replacement where they cut out that one side and insert a new, essentially a new part of the knee. But that's not something you want to be racing on. So for, for Chiz, this might be something that in time is one of the reasons that leads to him, you know, actually finally retiring. Ideally, not anytime soon, but that might be something that's down the path for Chiz, unfortunately. But he is having us review with the specialist this week. That's what he told us in that message, the Monday after um, LA, which has gone, come and gone. Haven't heard anything from him since. He might be getting a cleanup done. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that has happened at all yet. Um, but we haven't seen anything from his page at this stage. Um, and I'm just checking it as we're speaking right now. But no, nothing there that we can see at this point. So that's the Cheers update. Next on the list... Justin Barsha unfortunately took the lead in that moto there and went down straight away, straight afterwards. Uh, that trip to Indonesia looked painful for Justin Barsha. Now, word is uh, from him and his updates is that he has a broken collarbone, some broken ribs and a punctured lung, and that he's managed to get air in the chest, which that's just where he's punctured the lung. Um, the air's escaped between the lung and the chest wall, and it's trapped in that space, and they have to basically puncture the, the chest wall to let that air out and then that will reinflate the lungs so that's nothing fun 
Um, we did hear on the coverage it was meant to be going to, and actually I think this was from the press team press release, but he was meant to be on holidays here soon in on Monday flying out. He won't be flying anywhere with those lung issues for the next few weeks because that's a no-fly situation for it because that pressure change can cause the lung to recollapse. So another medical emergency potential there. Now, interestingly for Justin Barsha, obviously we all know about the injuries that he had in Nashville and then the issues that he had on going with the collarbone. If you've been listening to this show, you'll know all about those things that we've given you information on in previous shows. That was his uh, right shoulder that he broke and his left collarbone that he had broke and then had issues with healing and had to get replated. In this instance, he has hit his right shoulder on the ground and done his right collarbone. So he's, I think, if I've got these sides all correct, I think he's actually okay on the collarbone. It's a new injury. If he had a rebroken that other collarbone through the, the second plated, that would have increased his recovery time a lot. I do believe he's probably going to get that other collarbone plated. So we have a matching pair now. That'll be fantastic. Hopefully he doesn't have any issues with this one recovering but yeah just wanted to point out those side differences and when he broke his shoulder previously it was more the shoulder blade so it's not the collarbone um, so yeah different injuries unfortunately he's just had a bit of a rough go around in 2023 for Justin Barsha so he'll be out for of action for at least six weeks but that will put him back into boot camp probably in mid-November. So maybe a tiny bit delayed start for him in terms of boot camp and pre-season testing. But he's not changing teams. He's not changing bikes. So hopefully that doesn't hurt him too much. All right, Hunter Lawrence, low back injury. Now, he crashed on Friday and got in a real awkward position. Uh, but then you'll see the footage that they showed on the coverage of him riding on Saturday morning. And he just going through that sand section, got a bit of a jolt, and it was all over Red Rover. Now, what's happened there? What was that jolt that caused him to have an issue? I dare say when he's crashed the first time, he's ended up in a real awkward position. And he's either done one of two things. He's either done a bit of a, a um, discogenic issue where he's basically tried to compress the disc, it's tried to um, disc bulge, or at least it's irritated the disc and caused some inflammation there, which then potentially can press on a nerve. He's then re-aggravated by landing straight leg or stiff legged in that hole unexpectedly. Um, and that's jolted straight to that same point again and just irritated the hell out of everything. The other option there is that he's done it what's called a facet joint sprain. Now, the, the spine has these facet joints up on, on every level on either side. Now, when you sprain that, it basically takes your breath away. It's usually on one side at once. Um, and what he might have done is done a bit of a given that area a bit of a bruise and swelling and it created a weakness. And when he's jolted again, he's hit those two, two surfaces together again and triggered off the facet joint sprain. Now, if you then watched his interview when he was on the coverage in the truck and they showed the bit of him walking away and he could barely take those steps, that makes me think he might have had the facet joint sprain because he was walking with a, what we call a list. He's leaning a little bit to one side to try and take pressure off. Um, and he's also taking these shorter steps because you can't control the load when you twist and rotate the spine at that point. So one of those two things is what's occurring. Ideally, neither one is too serious. Um, facet joint can basically re be recovered from in about two to three days if everything's done really nicely. A disc can be sort of more of a few weeks depending on the severity of it. But again, with the access to treatment and recovery knowledge that he'll have, 
ideally that can be sort of a week to two at absolute most obviously knowing that mx of nations is coming up here very very shortly so i have to watch this space i haven't seen anything he was not listed in terms of what was occurring in the honda press releases post the race uh, obviously there was some information around jet um, and a tiny bit around chase but uh, again nothing major about the injury aspects from hunter or chase in either of those um honda press releases that have come out since the race talking about chase sexton we think there's a bit of a whiplash going on there obviously when he's landed head in the sand that's usually going to be a whiplash situation he might have bruised the shoulder maybe a collarbone involved there he may have got a bit of a concussion again i don't think anybody's going to know anything about chase sexton's injury unless you chase or, or his girlfriend or his mum or his dad because of this team change because of the fact he doesn't have to be seen for the next little while while his contract expires on the 1st of October. No doubt if he can, he'll be riding a KDM before that. But if he's, these injuries need some more time, he obviously push that back. But again, there's only a few things that could happen there. Whiplash of the neck, concussion, um, maybe his shoulder bruising or a con- collarbone at absolute worst for Chase. Um, he definitely, I think, got the wind knocked out of him as well, which wouldn't have helped. But yeah, that's where we're up to on Chase Sexton. Dean Wilson went down that same sand section, same as Aaron Plessinger. Both got up, both had hard crashes, but I dare say they're both just feeling a bit worse for wear. No major injuries there. Now, Seth Hamaker had a crazy crash on Friday, got in all sorts of weird shapes, managed to slide up, fly up in the air, um, looked like he was doing a pirouette, spun around, landed on what we believe to be multiple things, but mostly his butt um, took a lot of the brunt of that crash, which was unfortunate for for Seth. Um, and I'm just trying to watch this, rewatch this again because he's there in all sorts. And yes, he goes buck up in the air and straight down on his butt. Now he will probably be not sitting down nicely for the next few days, uh, and he may have broken a, a bum bone or a coccyx. <laughs> bum bone that doesn't sound great but he um that's maybe potentially what he's got going on but unfortunately it was, was enough for him not to be able to race uh and had to sit out so hopefully nothing too crazy there if it is a broken coccyx the worst part is you'll have to take some laxatives for a few days to soften his stool and then stool is another word for his crap um just to make it a bit easier on that area and he'll be sitting on a donut for probably two to four weeks but uh nothing too crazy there There'll be no surgeries. There'll be nothing along those lines. He just has to wait it out. Uh, And the other one that crashed and disappeared was Dylan Ferrandis. That'll probably be the last time you see him on a star racing Yamaha. Uh, Don't think there's anything majorly wrong there with Dylan either. Again, given the fact of a potential team change, given the fact it's the end of the season, um, I don't think you'll hear anything more about Dylan either. All right, that is our emergency department. We'll do... Once we can get these final stats together for Super Motocross, we'll do a bit of a stat show here at some point during the break uh, in the off-season for AMA, and we'll get those in between those other shows with the you know Australian Supercross, World Supercross, but we'll get that stats together shortly. Uh, we'll do a show on all those all at once here in the near future. All right, let's take a break on the Always Moto podcast. We'll be back with more. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker, and I'm from the Baker's Factory, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast, episode 76. Uh, We are going to wrap this thing up here. This is the end of the show. We're not going to do a Dave's diatribe this week. I was going to go on a diatribe about some McDonald's and people not being able to put sauce in an order for nuggets. 
but it just it hurts me too much. I can't believe the stupidity of the youth. Anyway, moving on, uh, and I was going to go on about the speed of the track, but I've talked about that uh, in the last few episodes around the super motocross. I just can't believe how fast these tracks have been. They need to be slower to prevent these injuries, and that was evident in LA. But show's wrapping up. Now, we're going to have some changes here very shortly to the podcast. We've got some new things happening in terms of some advertised partnerships coming for 2024, which you'll hear here very, very shortly, just putting some final touches on one in particular. Um, so we're making some little tweaks to this uh, information that you get here on the Always Moto podcast. But generally the same. It's what you know and love. It'll be here. It'll be injuries. It'll be moto. It'll be results. It'll be all sorts of stuff here. So stick around. There's plenty more Always Moto content coming your way in the very, very near future. Now, make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Make sure you leave us a rating if your app allows. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Just search Always Moto and follow and subscribe. We need those T-shirt orders, people. Keep, get, keep getting those orders in. Send, in, send them to info at alwaysmoto.com. Um, and don't forget to check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. We've got plenty of content over there as well. But that's it for this show. Thanks to Competitive Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the contractor. Thanks to Blair for the question. Uh, thanks to you guys and girls for listening. And remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping, strapping, strapping tape. It's real sticky stuff. It just stuck my mouth shut. Strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.